In this edition of the Law Enforcement Today show, we have two guests. One is a police officer and also an elected county commissioner. The other one is the sheriff of St. Mary's County, Maryland, talking about a problem that they are encountering and is happening in many areas across the United States. Hey, folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. When you get there, click like and follow. As click, like, and follow Law Enforcement Today radio show on Facebook. Calling us from, we used to call it God's country, used to live there. St. Mary's County, Maryland, Southern Maryland, we have on the phone John O'Connor, who is a police officer, can't say which department, and he's also an elected politician, St. Mary's County Commissioners, and also Sheriff Timothy Cameron, Sheriff of St. Mary's County Sheriff's Department. Gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us on Law Enforcement Today show. Glad to, my pleasure. And my pleasure as well. Thank you. It's good to have you here. And and I do say this for the, the benefit of those listening. I have very fond memories of spending my teenage years in St. Mary's County, Maryland. It's Southern Maryland. It's about an hour and a half southeast of Washington, D.C. and about two hours south of Baltimore. And it's safe to say that it is an area of the state of Maryland who does not feel like they are part of the rest of the state. Is that a fair assessment? That that could be a fair assessment. Yeah, <laughs> it's not necessarily I, I, a bad I thing. <laughs> it, it's uh, a source of pride. And here's an example. And I know a lot of people uh, listening are going, "What is he talking about?" When I first moved to, to Southern Maryland as a teenager from Virginia around 1978, my family moved there. I was my first encounter with 10 ounce bottles of Budweiser, and that's the only spot that I knew of the United States that had those. And they were everywhere. Uh, things like Southern Maryland stuffed ham. There was uh, being on the Chesapeake Bay and Potomac River was a big part of our whole lifestyle there. And it's an area with a lot of history and a lot of tradition. And if I'm correct, this is one of the first sheriff's departments in the United States. Am I wrong in that department? Uh, you, you're right. We're the oldest continuously operating sheriff's office in the United States. As a matter of fact, I think your website is firstsheriff.com. Check it out. It's a great area great people by the way my hat's off to your department uh, i got to meet a lot of the current members when i was there working at a classic rock station as a afternoon drive dj and you got some awesome people working in the St. kind of sheriff's department hey thank you jay i appreciate that i'm very proud of the men and women of our uh, sheriff's office now one of the things that you are encountering and john's going to talk about you're going to talk about is this is something that's happening across the united states I've talked to so many departments, so many agencies, big departments, small departments that have major recruiting problems. Is that something that's happening in your agency? Yeah, absolutely. And it has been since 2013. We've been hit particularly hard. And of course, that is felt always first in your patrol ranks. Those are the men and women, by the way, when you say patrol, when you dial 911, you got an emergency health, let's just say it's a medical emergency. In an area like St. Mary's County, as a large area, you may have 10 deputies on the road. So if you call 911, that's the person who's showing up to help you first. Yeah, most likely um, we're going to be first on the scene just by uh, the nature of positioning and the fact that we're out there. We're not in a station. We're we're out on the street. Um, All of our patrol officers carry AEDs in their cars now for that reason exactly. So we really want, and people know me, I am retired police, I'm very pro-law enforcement, but there's a big misconception, 
and we'll get into this in a moment, there's a big misconception, I think, perpetrated by Hollywood that people in policing and law enforcement, there's this thing they call the blue wall of silence, that we tolerate criminal behavior, we tolerate unethical behavior, we'll never say anything, and it's the furthest thing from the truth. Anybody I know in law enforcement, even for a promoted sergeant, wants the very best people working beside them all the time. Absolutely. You have to be sure of the person on your left and right and, and the people that have your back. And so you're, you're exactly right, Jay. We want the best and brightest. You know, we don't tolerate, obviously, all the above, everything that you've said for that reason. No. And there's a lot of things that you said going into this when you have recruiting shortages. And it's not just you guys. It is something that's happening nationally. And then we compound that with many agencies reporting that they have a problem retaining people that they've already recruited and trained. Is that an issue going on with you as well? Certainly is. We rely, always say this, in the United States of America, we are very fortunate. We're one of the few countries in the world, if you have an emergency of any type, you can pick up 911 and the first responders are going to come there and they'll be there within a matter of minutes. So if we take a situation like your department, where you're located, where we're having problems recruiting people and then having problems retaining people, that means that quality of life for you and I and everybody else that lives there suffers. You know, Jay, it was pointed out to me by a citizen not too many weeks ago that the residents in our county enjoy the safety and security of their communities, their schools, their commercial areas, all because of the veil of safety that is provided by law enforcement here. And by the way, they do a great job. And I don't know how, for people who never don't know what we're talking about, how big geographically is St. Mary's County? So we're 367 square miles surrounded by water. It's absolutely a beautiful place. It's a great place to live. We have great schools. It's easy to do commerce here. It's well represented, um, and it's a great place to work. We're truly supported by our community. And you have a large naval installation there. You have colleges. You, it is a bedroom community for a lot of folks who work in Washington, D.C. What's the total population for St. Mary's County? I've read 122 and change, and I've also read 130 and change. So um, somewhere in the middle, probably. So we're not talking about a small agency. We're not talking about Andy Griffith, Mayberry, RFD. We're talking about a full-service law enforcement agency in a, a large part of the United States that, that is symbolic of many areas around the country. Right. And uh, again, uh, proximity, that's one of the positives we have, I think. We're close proximity to Washington, D.C. and Baltimore. Um, so you can live here, work here, and drive uh, for entertainment or think about what's available to you in Washington, D.C. and Baltimore. Um, that's a recruiting plus for us. But of course, you live here, which is <laughs> the bonus. It's a great place to live and work. And to be honest with you, my wife and I, we were there about four years and she is i met her in florida uh she couldn't take the winters and i found it i want to get back to florida if we could move st mary's county to florida uh, that's exactly where i live because it's just a great great place with awesome people but it bothers me when i hear reports that with this great county with these great people live there with all these awesome opportunities and it's such a great place to live and, and raise a family and Geographically, it's beautiful. The, the Chesapeake Bay, Potomac River, Patuxent River, seafood, all that stuff that's so 
ingrained in that area that we have a problem in your department. And this is a problem that's happening in many places across the country where you can't get the best of the best to fill the ranks or enough of the best of the best to fill the ranks of your patrol positions in a sheriff's department. Well, you know, we're we're experiencing what people are across the country and and even internationally uh, outside the United States. But specific to us, in 2013, we experienced a significant number of openings. At one time, I had 27 vacancies in law, which is huge. I mean, that's a huge amount. We've worked backwards to uh, look at our recruiting, how we were recruiting, what we were doing, basically the same things that everybody else was doing at the time. We made a number of changes. Our board of commissioners supported us in a number of uh, monetary incentives that made us a little bit different when you go to a recruiting event, being able to offer salary, benefits, and incentives. Plus, we, we stopped trying to sell the typical things, and we started to sell the environment that we live and work in, the community that we work with and for, our schools, a really, really good economy, and and last uh, exactly what we spoke about the proximity to Washington D.C. and Baltimore that you can go and visit, but you still live in a great environment in a county surrounded on three sides by water. So if you like to spend time on or near the water, fish or hunt, this is the perfect place. It's a great spot to be. We're talking with Sheriff Tim Cameron of St. Mary's County Sheriff's Department, also. Officer John O'Connor, who is a county commissioner. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Harmony with Food radio show. I am your host, Meg Marie O'Rourke. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I am a nutritionist for longer than I'd like to admit on the radio. Join my guests and I as we discuss how to live in harmony with food from gut health issues, food sensitivities, food intolerances, and the comorbidities of obesity. Being your own healthcare advocate is achievable, and so is living in harmony with food. For the latest nutrition information blogs, check out my website, harmonywithfood.com. Has this ever happened to you? You sign up for a free email newsletter, and within hours, you're receiving tons of spam. That won't happen when you subscribe for the free Law Enforcement Today radio show email newsletter. We won't spam you. No more than two emails a week. I promise. All subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign-up area. That's letradioshow.com. We're all over social media. Be sure to like and follow our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. We're on Twitter. Follow us at LET Radio Show Podcast. And on Instagram, look for LET Radio Show Podcast. Back to our conversation with Sheriff Timothy Cameron from St. Mary's County Sheriff's Department, St. Mary's County, Maryland. Also joining us, we have John O'Connor. John is a full-time police officer. We can't say the agency works for He's also elected politician. He's one of the county commissioners for St. Mary's County, Maryland. That in itself... For a police officer to be a politician kind of is an oxymoron, isn't it? Uh, I definitely say so. Yeah. It's also lends to be very interesting. I'm sure it could be because I've, I've, I've been told, I have been told by many people, my wife especially, that one thing I lack is diplomacy skills. And so I'd find it very difficult to be in your position to be diplomatic when dealing in political situations with other politicians. Uh, it, it can definitely be a 
troubling at times because most of the time it's a straightforward conversation that I like to have. It's it's always uh, about the facts. It's about what is in the best interest of the people and and problem solving. And I I don't believe in the spin that comes with things. So I I try to attack things straightforward and and, and go on them. And sometimes you uh, end up finding a wall to uh, go ahead and bang your head against uh, I can see me doing that quite often, so that's probably why I'm not going to run for office. I'm glad you were doing it. John contacted me. We're talking about a problem that's going on, and I don't want to pick out St. Mary's County Sheriff's Department. I also know it's similar with Charles County, also Calvert County, which is the neighbors for St. Mary's County. But my old department, I retired from Baltimore Police Department, they pay a lot. They they offer a huge amount of money, and from what I understand, they're about 500 officers short. And they can't keep them. People wind up leaving for a variety of reasons. When I say people, I mean good police. Those are the ones we really want to keep. And what's happened lately in your county that is making it more difficult? Well, our county, I believe it's the political climate, uh, ultimately, that is not showing the uh, the true genuine support that needs to be there. There, there is a. A moderate level of support, but when it comes down to uh, the true meat and potatoes of understanding what these men and women do on the front line every day to make sure that we're safe, we can have these meetings and we can work for the people and responding to 911 calls and uh, dealing with all the tragedies that come with it, that I think there's a lack there and there's a, a lack of political backing. I, I see it nationally as well, and it, and it it really is. It creates and, and adds to the crisis that is currently in the law enforcement pr- profession. And you know, I think it lends to the um, situation that we have here with recruiting and retention. And ultimately, it came down to uh, compensation for our law enforcement officers, which nationally, our law enforcement officers are underpaid and uh, they're not valued to the, to the extent that they need to be. And, and of course, that on my end, looking at it from the political side, it, it they become political pawns in the larger scheme versus appreciating them for the job that they do. Well, no one goes into police work to become wealthy. We all know that you're not going to make a lot of money. But when it comes down to it, we've had a couple articles on law enforcement today. Uh, go to letradioshow.com. You can do a search. And one of them was, in particular, said when it came, this is an article written by a retired police officer. And he said in the article, when all things are equal, Say, let's say you compare three departments and they all have the same benefits, same retirement, same everything else, it comes down to pay. And the one that pays the most will win when all other situations are equal. Is that the situation that's going on with you guys? Uh, you hit the nail on the head. And in fact, he hit the nail on the head. That's that's exactly what's going on here. We have the Maryland State Police. We have Charles County Sher- Sheriff's Office. We have Calvert County Sheriff's Office. And at any given time, our deputies here in St. Mary's County can be standing on an active crime scene next to a Maryland State Trooper who is making significantly more money than them based on the pay scale that they have. They could be at training and responding to mutual aid, standing next to a deputy in Charles County that's making significantly more money than them. And what we tried to do, the initiative that I, I led with the FOP here, the command staff and the sheriff, was to not, not pay parity but pay equality. And that's what we need here in St. Mary's County in order to make sure that we're not losing these best qualified officers, people that have dedicated their time to our surrounding jurisdictions because the environment in St. Mary's County is amazing here. Great command staff, great leadership. The people want to come to work, but then they have their families, 
they have college to think about for their kids. You know, there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that the average citizen just doesn't see, and that's where I think we needed to come in and step up to the plate. And you can you can see this uh, in New York City, the police department. They went through this with the negotiations on their contract for years. They went without a contract. And I remember when New York City police were making $26,000 in the academy. My father's retired New York City police officer. My grandfather's retired NYPD. So I, I know those times. And looking back at it, seeing where we're at now, it, it seems that it's just a cycle that continues. And, and that cycle needs to be broken. When I started in the Baltimore Police Department, the academy, we made $13,280 a year. And I remember being a 20-year-old and St. Mary's County, I was living there. They, they weren't hiring. So guys like me, Baltimore snatched us up very, very quickly. And I loved what I did. But we were always I like paycheck to paycheck. And there were long hours. But we were fully staffed or close to fully staffed. From what I understand, your area... You have a shortage of people, and that means the backbone of law enforcement, those who protect you, those who answer the calls, your patrol division, are understaffed. What's that mean translate as far as hours? How many hours are these men and women working? Well, uh, again, what our experience is, is what is being experienced uh, nationally. So when you have uh, attrition, the people that remain, the people that are showing up for work are being worked longer and they're being worked harder and they're being asked to do more. So we're burning out our current workforce. And that leads to more stress. That leads to more. Uh, th- there's a lot of great things. I don't want to get me wrong. There's so many great things that I absolutely loved about being in law enforcement. I love the people I worked with. I love the community where I worked. I love Baltimore. There's certain things about the government I don't care for, but there's a lot of a lot of great feelings. But with that comes a lot of stress, a lot of trauma, a lot of violence that they see. Those things take their toll. They take their toll not just on the, the individual well-being of the officers, but also their family members as well. It creates an unstable situation at home. The list can go on and on. So when you ask these men and women to work more and do more because we can't keep people, because we can't have pay parity, it creates a vicious cycle, I would think. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. We're going to take a short break. We are talking with Sheriff Tim Cameron from St. Mary's County, Maryland, and also County Commissioner John O'Connor, who's also a police officer. More great insight coming up on the Law Enforcement Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. One of the most frequent questions we see is, where can I find great podcasts? Do you have any suggestions? Yes, we do. So we decided to start our own podcast network on Law Enforcement Today. That's right. You can find top podcasts about law enforcement on our website and our free app. Go to letradioshow.com. Click the Be Heard tab, and there you'll find the LET Podcast Network. We'll be adding more podcasts from first responders and more. Again, to find the Law Enforcement Today Podcast Network, go to letradioshow.com and click on the Be Heard in our menu. Or download our free app today at letradioshow.com. If you've missed past episodes of the Law Enforcement Today radio show, 
Never fear. You can listen to them online as a podcast. Just go to our website, letradioshow.com, where you'll find all the podcast episodes and much more. That's letradioshow.com. If you want to be a guest on a Law Enforcement Today show, just go to our website and contact me through there. Our website is letradioshow.com. That's letradioshow.com. Back to our conversation with Sheriff Timothy Cameron from St. Mary's County, Maryland Sheriff's Department. Also, John O'Connor, who's a police officer in Maryland and a county commissioner. By the way, the website for St. Mary's County Sheriff's Department is firstsheriff.com. That's firstsheriff.com. You're one of the oldest continuous sheriff's departments in the United States, correct? Yes, that's correct. About what year was the Sheriff's Department formed? 1637. That's way before your time. It was way before my time. I was never issued a horse and saddle bags. Or That's the first anything. thing I thought of. How did, <laughs> how did you patrol when you were a sheriff back then on a horse and there's no communications? Hey, we got a report from the stagecoach that there's a problem down in Ridge, which is some 45 miles away. Exactly. It was uh, probably the word of mouth was very strong back then. By the way, and I do know the area because I live there, it's still very, very strong uh, stuff. Word of mouth goes far. Uh, when did you start with that agency? So I started with the Sheriff's Office in July of 1980. Oh, so you're an old, old timer. Yes, yes, I've been around and uh, I have seen the great change in our profession. And it has changed quite years. a bit because I, I started in October in 1980, and, and I know you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. John may not. I'm an old wheel gun cop. I'm an old revolver cop. Or we issued a revolver, a nightstick, and mace that only worked on innocent bystanders and police. And, and don't forget the proverbial slapjack. Yeah. I'd actually, yeah. the truth is, I used to carry one of those, and then I, I stopped carrying it because it was something else I had to defend from possibly them getting a hold of. Right. And it was, yeah, it was a, a different era. I think that the one thing in common between then and now is that the biggest weapon we were taught that we had, uh, and I was taught primarily by Vietnam combat veterans who were police, and also we had a few commanders who were Korean War veterans, is that we used your brain. That was the first weapon you always went to, and that basic rules of policing back then, and I'm sure you're going to get this, is that we respected everyone all the time treated everyone with respect until they changed the tone of the conversation and then there was no place for us to retreat to so you never gave up yeah you know you're exactly right your communication skills were critically important because especially here you may not have a backup period um there were a few nights early in my career that i worked the county by myself after 3 a.m so you had to communicate and solicit the cooperation of everybody even when it was uh, somewhat of a hectic event. I grew up watching John Wayne and Clint Eastwood and all those movie characters. It, you could not police like that. You can't stand and have a fist fight, especially when you're outnumbered. And like you said, I had the benefit. Help was always right around the corner. You guys, backup was a long ways away and sometimes didn't exist. The good thing, though, it, it's the same in the course of our history, the same now as it was then. We have great support from our community. You can always depend on fire and rescue, always. Um, And we depended heavily on them back in those days, even the fire and rescue guys that were off. um, They would step up and 
um, stand beside you, which they still do to this day. So some of those things are, are not unique. They, they carry on today, thank goodness. So you've seen many changes in your career, uh, not just in equipment-wise. There's a lot of things that, that police and law enforcement carry nowadays that I have no concept of using. <laughs> Tasers, things of that nature. Uh, but we go back to the early part of the conversation Day one, it was always ingrained in us, integrity, 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 professionalism, courage, bravery, these things that respect, that were taught to us. And when we messed up as rookie police, which we all do, we were taught by the old timers. And sometimes it was done harshly. Right. And and that message uh, is still uh, true and viable to this day is just generationally how we teach them and how we manage them, how we provide feedback, how we evaluate them has changed subtly. What would you say was the biggest challenge in your career? Obviously, you started off as a, as a deputy. Now you're sheriff. So somewhere along the way, you must have had some real aha moments. Well, yeah, and, and I'll tell you, um, never was this on my radar. Never did I think uh, one day when I'm sheriff. I, that never really occurred to me until probably in the last days before my retirement, but I've had a blessed career. I, um, I've been able to do and serve in just about every unit in the sheriff's office and do some things that were just, you know, in our law enforcement profession, go places, be involved in things with just incredible, incredible experiences and involved in a lot of successful investigations, criminal cases, and just like everybody listening seen some really bad things yeah. and very few come and visit me late at night, but that's good. I don't, I don't mind. The greatest challenge really is uh, the advent of technology and how it's changed us and how it's changed how we do the job. The other side of that technology is then regulation. And, and if you're a policeman today, you have a car, we have in-car cameras and we have body-worn cameras. I mean, I never felt like my word was ever questioned in the 80s or 90s, ever. You, you establish yourself of a, as a person of great integrity. Our agency was an agency of great integrity. We called it like it was. And now, you know, we have cameras in the cars and cameras, uh, body-worn cameras, and that is to corroborate or verify what the officer is saying. So it's a, it's a different perspective, and I think all of that is part and parcel to why we're experiencing diminishing recruitment and then the increased causes for attrition. Some of what I feel, and I, I, I suspect this is the case, and I'm going to use your, your agency as an example, because I remember being a teenager. And I remember interacting with St. Mary's County Sheriff's deputies, and back in the day, they had a very unique color scheme for their cars. They had like a powder blue body with a white roof, Correct. Yes. And now we have kind of transitioned into the black and whites that we see so many agencies have. And I'm not saying that's a negative, but part of me nostalgically looks back and goes, what happened to, did we change? I mean, it's just paint, but did we change in our philosophy over the years? No, I don't think so. I think uh, the the, uh, light blue and white, I don't know when it was established, um, and and I think the reason for that was just to be different than everybody else, to be unique. And then I think a cost factor drove us to all white, depending on how many cars we were wrecking in a year. And then 
I made the decision to go to black and white because it's one of the most recognizable markings in the police profession um, immediately. And people told me, well, there are studies out there that say it makes it look like there's more cars than there are. I don't know how you can do that. There's X number of cars, but, you know, I experienced, when we had one black and white, it was a test unit. I had uh, a young lady at a local college say, I, I saw five of those black and whites today. Well, there was actually only one. So, but but again, I, I think it was just uh, we did it because it was different. But it's a marking that's immediately recognizable, and quite honestly, the troops loved it. Um, so all of that was important to me. I'm glad you answered that about the black and whites. I'd heard that that a lot of agencies are going that because the public perception is there's a lot more of them than there actually are. So it seems as if you have a greater police presence than there really is, which is a good thing for keeping our community safer. Yes, absolutely. And again, then it's the always thing about cost. This is the Law Enforcement Show. we got two guests on the show today. We have Sheriff Timothy Cameron, Sheriff of St. Mary's County, Maryland, and also police officer John O'Connor. Uh, John is also an elected county commissioner for St. Mary's County. We'll be talking to him more about his role as a county commissioner and things that are affecting not just St. Mary's County, Maryland, and their agency, but are happening in many places across the United States. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. We'll be right back. Have you ever wanted to listen to a favorite Law Enforcement Today episode again? Or chat directly with John J. Wiley? Now you can. Download Podopolo for free on either app store and send John J. Wiley a DM right on the app. That's P-O-D-O-P-O-L-O, Podopolo. If you haven't done so already, please download our app. It's 100% free. We got versions for your Android and iPhone devices, 100% free. You can download them today at our website, which is letradioshow.com. This is the Law Enforcement Day Show. I'm John J. Wiley and joined by John O'Connor, police officer and elected county commissioner of St. Mary's County, Maryland, and Sheriff Tim Cameron from St. Mary's County Sheriff's Department. Gentlemen, I'm so glad you're on the show. We're talking a lot about specifics with your agency in St. Mary's County. Uh, we're talking about retention, recruiting problems, but these are problems that are happening almost everywhere in the United States. There are very few agencies. I've heard of maybe two that don't have a problem with this in the United States. And until just recently, I did not know that it's also a problem happening in other parts of the world as well. John, how much do you think uh, that has to do with public perception, news reports, activist groups, and also economic factors? Well, I, I look at the, the big picture, and you have the activist groups, which have been around for, for decades. They're, they're always there. Ultimately, I, I have to pin it back on the elected leaders that are in office and how those elected leaders interact with the activist groups, act, interact with the citizens, and interact with their law enforcement. I really look at it from the point of view that when you turn on the TV and nationally you see that elected official immediately using a law enforcement officer as a, a sacrificial lamb oh, yeah. in order to... You know, they gain trying to gain political points and or pander to a specific populace in order to garner their votes rather than standing up and taking a uh, a backstage type of uh, position on this because as an elected official here 
it's not my position to comment on what these deputies do, the actions of their deputies. And even if I was called upon by a news source, I would refer to the sheriff. Why? Because that's his job. That is the ultimate responsibility for them to look at the facts, look at what's going on, and then present that information. The, the only thing an elected official does by getting involved is inflame the situation. Unless they're willing to stand there and get the facts from that leader in law enforcement and back that leader, that's ultimately the biggest pitfall I see that's facing law enforcement today. And we see a lot of reports. We have a lot of articles uh, on our website. Go to letradioshow.com. You can search for them. New York is a great example. Chicago is another example. The state of California, where politicians getting involved and they're, they're trying to constantly use, in my opinion, the local law enforcement as uh, paint them as the bad guys. There's an old saying that the greatest trick ever played was the devil convincing the world he didn't exist. And I say that nowadays that's being given a, a severe challenge by uh, the news media and politicians convincing them that our police departments are a bigger threat to their safety than, than organized crime groups like MS-13, uh, the outlaw motorcycle groups, or uh, any type of criminal group. We're being hoodwinked, in my opinion. Uh, I agree. Uh, the politicians that are out there are, have turned the bad guys into the good guys and the good guys into the bad guys. And when we stand there, we, you know, I look at other law enforcement officers and I, I always feel comfortable around them. And some would say that I'm biased because I, I'm I am I'm biased. I got to admit it. I am biased. But then again, <laughs> earlier in the conversation, you know, we hold each other to a very high standard. And when someone doesn't fulfill that standard, we're the harshest on them of anybody. Absolutely. Absolutely the harshest on them. And, and that's something that the people that count votes, the bean counters, don't understand. And what it comes down to is not just what you see in the news, but we need to show appreciation to these men and women that are out there that literally for walking out to their car, sitting in their cruiser, uh, could be assassinated, trying to protect us. And, and as an elected leader, there's very few ways that I have that capability. And across the nation, there's very few ways. One, I believe, is staying silent and staying out of their business and, and letting the chiefs of police and allowing the sheriffs to do their job. I think that's, that's crucial. And you don't have anything nice to say, just don't say it at all. I think that's important. And then the second is when it comes down to valuing their families and their pay and making it so they're not working so much overtime that Sheriff Cameron spoke about before, and they're not getting burnt out. That's the way we can show them that we appreciate them and we want them to be here and start changing this narrative. And it's not talking about giving them hundreds of thousands of dollars. We're talking about what a difference uh, $2,500 a year can make in someone. That, that's life-changing money for someone who is barely making ends meet. It is life-changing money for, for somebody that's barely making ends meet. You know, I, I often look at departments throughout this state and other states, and you, you see what they're they're making, and then you see what they're dealing with, and then you turn on the news, and you see those same officers, and you see their picture on there, and and uh, somebody's using them as an example. I, I, there's nothing that aggravates me more than seeing somebody, an officer involved in a situation that was a split second and was doing the right thing, and then it gets literally turned around on them because they're only showing five seconds of the video. And that's, that is, that's, yeah, that, that's done to get 
viewers that's done well, the, the old saying was if it bleeds it leads and that was something we used to hear in baltimore all the time and the print news and also television news and i i would say this point blank quite often many of these journalists so-called journalists uh, who by the way wouldn't hold a candle to investigative journalists like uh, woodward and bernstein things like watergate would never be discovered nowadays because these journalists today are copy and pasters and it's all about getting the headlines, and it doesn't matter if it's not accurate or if it's biased or it's misleading. Uh, you're you're definitely right there on it. And yeah, it's funny you mentioned earlier that I I wouldn't know anything about a wheel gun, and and I definitely wouldn't. Um, you know, mine rookie. one I own is, is passed down, <laughs> passed down to me from my father and, and grandfather. I'm I'm a semi-automatic uh, police officer era, and uh, you know I'm. It's actually an interesting time for me, uh, being that, you know, I guess you could call me the millennial of policing because I started in 2000, and, and the change that's going on now is is body cameras, in-car cameras, uh, the tasers with taser cameras, and everything that activates, and, and everything's recorded. The cars pull up, and as soon as they pull up, everything's recorded. And, you know, it's come to a point in our society that I don't want you to take my cameras away now. And it's not because of my word. It's because my camera has saved me so many times from the lies and propaganda that has been put against me and my colleagues out on the street that I would probably argue day in and day out to uh, do not take my camera away because it's not about my word. To me, it's about that they're lying. (laughs) So it's about I'd I'd be first one saying, I told you so. I, yes, I, yes. I listened to when this transition started happening and not all departments have them, but most are getting these cameras. And I thought, man, I don't know if I could do that. But the, the number one rule of thumb in Baltimore, especially when I worked narcotics, if we arrested someone with a gun and possession with intent to distribute everything, the first thing the defense attorney said was make a complaint against the officers for discourtesy and excessive force. That's what they all did. So if you had enough complaints, you got pulled off the street and it was it's getting us out of their way so they could have open air markets, but having that evidence now, and I don't think that it seems to hold or, or sway public opinion as much, but even when the evidence is clear cut, the officer did nothing wrong. People still want their jobs. Yes. And, and nationally we see that problem and I'll have to go back again to the politicians. It's, it's pandering. It, it is not looking at this as a person, um, but a number and, looking at our officers as scapegoats. Until that change happens from our elected leaders, until the people decide that we need to change those people there that are not protecting the very menders of the fabric of our society, we're always going to run into this. And then how can you ask somebody that's 21 years old to say, hey, I want you to put it all on the line. I want you to come over here, even though what you've seen on TV, and this is what you're up against. By the way, you could go to jail, you could be sued, your home could be taken, or better yet, your name just ruined when you did the right thing. Until that changes, I don't see the recruitment and retention problem getting any better uh, across that, the United States. On that note, just with your agency, about how much does it cost to recruit and train one deputy? Uh, for St. Mary's County, it's $138,000 that we budget in to uh, hire, and train, and equip the deputy. Um, as far as all the extra training, it can go into the hundreds of thousands once they start getting into specialized schools um, and representing. And, and I think Sheriff Tim Cameron might have a, a, a better hard number for you on that. It's well, about it's $183,000. That's our investment on a new position. And on that note, 
I still love law enforcement. I still recommend it as a career. Uh, if someone's interested in getting details about possibly joining your agency, what do they do? If they get on uh, firstsheriff.com and look under employment, we have a recruiter that'll walk them through the process. And I would tell them, if, if you want to come to a place that's beautiful, it's a gorgeous environment, great schools, great neighborhoods, um, and a wonderful place to work. We, we truly have a great community, and we're supported. You can do police work here. Um, we have in-car cameras, and we have body-worn cameras. But you know what? They support the great job that those professionals do every day. Gentlemen, thank you so very much for your service and for being guests on the show. Very much appreciated. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.